It's time for episode 27 of the Clockwise Podcast from the editors of Tech Hive, PC World, Macworld, and Greenbot, recorded March 5th, 2014. Clockwise, four guests, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the podcast where it's an honor just to be nominated. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and sitting across the country slash table from me, it's a really big table. Big table. As always, is my co-host, Jason Snell. Dan, did we get nominated for anything? Many, many things. I can't tell you about any of them. Oh, okay. Well, I'm honored for those secret things. You should be. It's It's about honor. That's all it's really about. Good. We have two guests today, and the first of our guests, seated to my left, is PC World Executive Editor, Melissa Riofrio. Hi, Melissa. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Sitting next to me is Dan Frakes, Senior Editor at Macworld. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. I mean Dan Frakes, not Dan Moore, and I'm glad that the right Dan Dan. answered there. That's good to have you back on, Dan Frakes. Thank you. Glad to be here. Just going to refer to you as Dan Frakes the whole time. So, Dan Morin. Yes, Jason Snell. You want to tell, tell uh, the listeners a little bit about what the hell we're doing here? Uh, what are we doing here? Well, it's clockwise, and that means each of us has brought a technology topic that we believe is worth discussing. And in the interest of not wasting your time or my time, really my time, uh, we're just going to spend about five minutes on each topic. Uh, I get to go first because I am this week's designated Grand Poobah. Yes. And then the action will move clockwise. So to kick things off, uh, I want to talk a little bit about an initiative that was not exactly launched this week, relaunched maybe, and that's Apple's CarPlay. Uh, They sort of teased this at last year's WWDC by, it was called then sort of just generically iOS in the car. Um, But now it's been relaunched as CarPlay. And it will be shipping on some models of, from some manufacturers later this year. And they sort of showed off some of the functionality. It works with touchscreens and controls. And it will have Siri integration and all this stuff. And it's really, it really seems to be designed to make car electronics a more pleasurable experience. I'm curious to know what you guys think about this and whether you think it will be a successful venture or whether it is doomed to failure. Those are the only two options. Um, <laughs> So uh, we'll start with Melissa, who I know is our car technology expert. Uh, I am indeed, and uh, very interested to see this finally come somewhat to fruition. You know, it always bugs me when it works on some cars and not other cars. And I really want to see how they implement the touchscreen part because um, I've driven enough cars with touchscreens to know that it is not that easy to use a touchscreen while you're driving. And you look at a an organization like the the Car Connectivity Consortium. Good good name. Yeah. Good name. They have uh, this standard called MirrorLink that is supposed to um, be a universal standard to connect your phone to your car, and it's also supposed to um, help app developers create apps that are safe to use on your car display while you're driving. And it's 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 a tricky deal. And uh, frankly, most iOS apps are not designed to be used in a car yet. They're designed for you to stare at your phone and punch the buttons, and you're not supposed to do that when you're driving. And if they're only going to put in things that you can use when you're not driving, then why are we here? So um, I just want to see what it's actually going to look like. And it really annoys me when it's only on some cars and not others. I think what uh, excites me about this is that it is 
Apple's attempt to sort of like get a little window that they control so that theoretically all cars that have that support this, it will look the same. I think it gets wrapped in something that's that that's designed by each car maker. Uh, but I like the idea. I mean, I thought for a long time when I'm driving somewhere, my uh, uh, my wife's car has a has a screen in it, and it's got the sort of dumb entertainment system attached to it. And I've thought to myself, boy, I'd almost rather have my uh, iPhone or iPad outputting to that screen with the map app or something like that. So I'm excited about the idea that software and uh, consumer technology gets updated and car tech never gets updated. So I like the idea of trying to make something simple and not especially intelligent that you attach your latest and greatest device running your latest and greatest software to and kind of take the car out of the equation. I like that idea because there's so much smart stuff stuff happening on our mobile devices and even the latest car is not that great so um you know more ways that we can connect these devices and uh use their intelligence and let the car step out of the way uh the better i say dan frakes what do you say yeah i mean i think you've hit it jason for me when i'm in the car i want to use my iphone that's where all my apps are that's what i've been using the rest of the day i want to just bring it into the car and then have it show up there um and as an iphone user as opposed to an Android user, I'm stoked by this, right? Because it's, hey, I'm going to have my iPhone on the display. Um, I, I think the challenge from a, a larger market perspective is just that not everybody has iPhones. And uh, are, are is this going to limit, you know, are people going to say, well, that doesn't, you know, I don't care about that car because it doesn't work with my Android or my, you know, Nokia or whatever I've got. Um, so from an industry perspective, I think that's going to be the big challenge. Although I did notice that um, some of the, the, the I, I saw in one of the stories that I think it's the, is it the Blackberries at the QNX platform? Is that what it's called yeah, for yeah. cars? Let's other uh, smartphone platforms run on top of it. So there's this idea here that that some of the car manufacturers will use that platform and then the iOS or Android or whatever. Actually, I believe the QNX actually works with CarPlay. Like QNX is sort of the standard on which top of which CarPlay runs, but it could be other things. You're right. Right, right. And so interoperability, I think, is going to be the big challenge here. And, you know, whether people are going to want to say, um, oh, this is only for iPhone, so I'm not going to buy it. Yeah, well, it's a tough, it's an entrenched market, but I do think that the fundamental matter that it really comes down to is that most of the companies, you know, most automakers are not good software developers. It's it's just not their focus, right? They're, they're, they want to make an automobile, and certainly they have people to do that, but a lot of them outsource it to OEMs and things like that. So, you know, they're, for them, it's a value add more than their, you know, reason for being, right? They're, they're there to build an automobile. And so I think bringing in people who are actually you know, the technology experts to provide these kind of interfaces is probably for the best. I mean, it, it, like like the rest of you are saying, it remains to be seen how well this works. Um, and for me, my major frustration is having just bought a car, it's going to be a long time before I buy a new car that might support this. So I'm kind of got my fingers crossed that maybe they might even be able to crack into the third party aftermarket uh, vendors and, and find a way to add a CarPlay unit to my car at some point down the road. But it's it's an interesting uh, development, and I look forward to seeing where it goes from here. Uh, Melissa, did you bring a topic for us today? Well, I just came back from Mobile World Congress, and I'd be happy to talk about that. Yeah, I think that would be great, since you we, we uh, were talking about how uh, things were exciting things were happening in Barcelona, and you were there, and now you're back. You made it I back. was there. <laughs> Um, so Mobile World Congress is this huge, um, mobile technology show in Barcelona happens every year. 
Well, it was a huge Samsung show for one thing. <laughs> we went to this huge event where they uh, unveiled uh, a new phone and three, not one, not two, but three wearables for all of you who want to wear something. Do you hear me, Apple? We uh-huh. all want to wear something. Um, but other big players were there. Microsoft was there talking about Windows Phone, making silly comments about how they beat BlackBerry. Yay. Whoa. <laughs> Good job. Um, we had a few tablets. Uh, there were apps everywhere. Where do you want to start? What do you guys want to know? Yeah, I, I have a oh, question. Come on. Yes. Mobile World Congress, it, it started out years ago as sort of the cell, one of the cell phone conferences because computers were computers and appliances were appliances and fitness stuff was fitness stuff. Um, is Mobile World Congress going to be something where it's it's no longer, for one, is it still necessary in a world where every other show is full of mobile stuff? Um, and two, is it going to evolve where, do you think, to where um, it becomes more than just mobile stuff because everything's just converging? Oh, sure. No, that's a very good question. Um, and I think uh, the the best uh, illustration of that is the HTC booth. So HTC makes phones, not even the most popular or best phones necessarily, although a lot of people like the HTC one. So what was front and center in the HTC booth? It was a car. <laughs> and this car had an HTC phone in it, and they were showing how the phone connected to the car so nicely through Mirrorlink, incidentally. And that, to me, embodied where the mobile space is going, that the the size of the device doesn't even matter. It's the fact that it's connected. And yes, it used to be really a telecom show. And God help me, we got so many queries from telecom companies that wanted to show us their server or their, or their router or their switch. I'm like, no! <laughs> what is more mobile than a car, I ask you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But in the Ericsson booth, and Ericsson had like practically you know, half of a hall at that show, this, this massive booth with hundreds of people. It was almost impossible to get in there. But uh, in one part of that booth, there were a couple of cars and they were showing off their cool mobile things which in that case was this Volvo car and they're piloting a delivery program where you can order stuff and some hopefully honest delivery person will bring it to your car and there's this digital key you can set up that they can use to open the car just that one time stick the stuff in uh, ideally not then have an orgy in the back of your car but eventually leave and then your car is locked again, and they'll never be able to get in unlo- until you order something else. So, like a, like a reverse zip car? Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, it's basically like, oh, I'm going to need groceries. Uh, and then you order the groceries, and someone delivers them to your car. And when you get to your car after work, they're there. You just drive home. You don't have to go to your local grocery store. Hopefully you don't leave your groceries in the car for like four hours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's probably a cooler thing or whatever. I'm sure they would work out all these little bumps. But they're testing this in beautiful Gothenburg, Sweden, where Volvo is based. And they had 100 people try it, and apparently they all loved it. I would love it. I would love not to get home at some god-awful hour and still have to go to the grocery store and all these other places I have to go before I get home. Unfortunately, 95% of the things they delivered, you then have to assemble yourself with a little help. <laughs> oh, you went with the Ikea joke. I see. Had to be done. But, but yeah, this is, not, this is no longer a telecom show. When you have you know Microsoft there showing off tablets and HP and Lenovo and, of course, Samsung having their big parte, it is no longer a telecom show. It's an Internet of Things show. Did you go to the Samsung um, launch event 
Oh, I did. See, I went to the one at Radio City Music Hall last year when they unveiled the S4. Uh-huh. And that was the one where they had weird, uh, like, sketches, like, skits on stage <laughs> that were really off-putting. Was it, was it yeah. weird this time, or did they back off the weird? We were very disappointed not to have any weird stuff this year. However, I did notice that Samsung used the word glam numerous times within within their little mm. speeches here they had two different guys presenting and they both were like glam 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 i'm like <laughs> uh okay am i is there some point i'm supposed to be getting here like your stuff is good looking okay i get it but you know when they say that too often you start to wonder like are you really you know just trying to convince me of this and you know they have this faux leather back on the phone now it's all perforated it's kind of very uh drivery like you know i don't know driver gloves or something like mm. that i don't know if that's the glam part but you know it's fake leather so really no uh nothing says glam like pleather yeah <laughs> well we should uh we should move on thank you for the report from barcelona you're welcome and i wanted to uh take my topic in a sad direction which is that i was in arizona over the weekend um visiting my mom and she has a very um hard uh, tile floor in her kitchen and Uh-oh. my iPad mini Uh-oh. met the, no. the floor. The no. only two iOS devices I have ever shattered both involved cold, hard Mexican ceramic floor. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It turns out Apple has a, it's not cheap, but Apple has a standard price for all of its models, where you, which for what they call an out of warranty replacement. And you go into an Apple store and you visit the Genius Bar and you say, this is broken. And they say, if, is it an iPad mini? That'll be $250, please. And they give you a refurb model of the exact same thing and you walk out of the store, which is what I did. So, um, what I wanted to mention is, and I think we've talked about this in the past, when we talk about what future device innovation should be, the one that strikes me, or struck me the last two days, huh. is, um, yes, it, it strikes me like you're hitting a tile floor. Um, hardiness of devices. We, we saw at, uh, at CES... Um, a lot of uh, like waterproofing tech and stuff like that, nanotech to make things waterproof. And I know that was probably at Mobile World Congress too. But hardier devices, droppable devices. So my question to you guys is, you know, do our mobile devices need to be hardier? And do you think they do you think they will be, or is this something where we're just all going to be dealing with shattered uh, shattered screens? Dan Fra- Dan Frakes, you go first. Well, I mean, clearly for some people they need to be harder. Yeah. Um, well. <laughs> Just never never have a tile floor in your house, I guess is what I'm saying. I broke my iPad screen last year by tipping a mug over onto it. An empty mug sitting right next to it, tipped over, fell two inches, cracked the entire screen. Yikes. Wow. Um, physics, people, physics. Um, and luckily, Apple replaced it. It was, it was literally five weeks after I bought it. And they said, well, let's just say it was four weeks and return this and give you a new one with Apple Care and then replace it. Yeah, it's a weird thing. They were nice. But yes, it broke easily. Um, I, I mean, clearly there's a need for this, especially as devices get bigger. Because the more, you know, the bigger a screen is, the easier it is to break, the more likely it is to hit something that will break it. Um, so clearly there's a need for this. Uh, and, and we're seeing things like, Gorilla Glass and Sapphire and all these rumors of, of, you know, harder and harder surfaces. So we actually drove in Arizona. We drove past where they're building the Sapphire, sapphire oh, the plant. Sapphire plant. Yeah. So, so, I mean, the device manufacturers realize this and they're making, you know, they're, they're taking steps to, to make them hardier. But, um, you know, unless we start making these out of polished 
diamond. I, I mean, I don't know how hardy we can actually make them. Well, sapphire is pretty hard, so I yeah. think that's that's a good start, certainly. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. It always reminds me of uh, there's an old uh, Alec Guinness movie called The Man in the White Suit where uh, about an inventor who creates a suit that doesn't get dirty. And everybody gets, you know, like all the companies start trying to chase him down because people never need to buy new clothes or anything. So I, I think about this sometimes when I'm like, well, but if your iPad never broke, you'd never have to buy a new one, which obviously obviously isn't true with technology in the same way it is with, say, clothes. Um, but I think that, you know, it's true that, you know, screens break a lot. And especially when we're dealing with devices that are, you know, almost entirely screen this is going to be an issue that's just going to keep coming up. I've never actually broken my own phone. I have broken someone else's phone, ah, and I mm. replaced it. If you're going to break it, break someone Yeah, else's. if you're going to break your girlfriend's phone, you're going to replace it. That's the answer that we <laughs> learned here. Um, so, you know, I I think we'd all like that, and I, and I honestly don't feel like Apple's in a position of like, aha, we'll make the phone so breakable they'll have to buy new ones. I don't think that actually does them any favors, really, especially when they cover things as they did with Dan's. Uh, you know, iPad. So I think that hardiness is important, but it's, you know, it's it's tricky. I mean, if we could make stuff that was just not as breakable, why wouldn't we just make everything out of that? <laughs> um, so I, I certainly like to see it, but I don't know if it comes higher than, like, I don't know if I'd be willing to trade less breakability for some other, like, whether it be, you know, less battery life or, you know, bigger, heavy, thicker phones, right? Like, I mean, like, there's going to be a trade-off, right? You can't just, you you probably can't keep it at the same shape and size and weight with increased uh, durability unless you make it out of, like, adamantium. Wow. Nerds. Melissa, what do you think? Um, I think there's a clear uh cost issue with the durability of products, not just, oh, we want you to buy a new one in two years, but how durable can we make it while still making it at a price that people will buy? Um, I will say that uh, while I was in Barcelona, I got to know all of my coworkers' phones intimately, and uh, most of them had cracked screens. I'm like, what's happening here? Everyone's dropping their stuff. Um, So cracked screens appear to be like some sort of disease. I haven't dropped my iPhone yet. I'm waiting for that first scratch. It's going to hurt. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's out there, and I, I guess what I'd say we we mentioned that Mesa, Arizona, sapphire glass, uh, uh, you know, or sapphire plant that Apple is apparently investing a lot of money in. Um, clearly, this is part of the arms race in mobile tech is durability because Apple thinks that going one better than Gorilla Glass w- will help them even more. So I don't know. I think it's an interesting way that as, as time goes on and, and the phone market matures and the tablet market matures, we're seeing batteries, uh, you know, battery life and uh, and uh, hardiness of the hardware um, becoming more important features than just you know the speed of the processor and and i think that's good because my poor ipad mini broke <laughs> dan frakes what's your topic so it seems i can't go a day without seeing the term internet of things in half a dozen articles and in fact melissa mentioned earlier um so i mean there's, it can mean a few things but there's a couple that i'm most interested in one is that um, you know, we hear a lot of things about how it means we'll have toasters connected to the internet, but I'm more interested in sort of how the things we can use every day, we use every day can be controlled remotely. For example, we've installed some Belkin Wemo gear in our house, so we can turn the lights on and off and even program them when we're not at home. Uh, and then there's also the whole idea that we, when we buy stuff that's connected, uh, we know we don't get stuck with an outdated product. So a- Apple kind of pioneered this idea for consumers with the iPhone 
but it's uh, more common in other ways, in other areas too. So for example, earlier this year, Tesla discovered an idea, or excuse me, an issue with the charging software in the Model S that could cause fires. But instead of requiring tens of thousands of people to drive their cars to a dealer, they just issued a software update over the air and all these cars got fixed without any effort on the part of the owner. So we're seeing this in devices like the Apple TV and TiVo and even those Belkin Wemo switches that I was talking about where they get updated automatically and suddenly we've got new features and sometimes it even feels like a new product. So my question for you folks is, uh, what other devices that you use every day would you like to see become part of the Internet of Things? I want that Internet-connected toaster. <laughs> I mean, I, wanted a, I want a little camera in there, and it will tell me exactly how done my toast actually is. And then I can manually override and pop it up because my toaster's in the kitchen and my office is in the front of the house. And, you know, sometimes you end up with burned toast or toast that's not burned enough. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I, well, in general, I feel like kitchen stuff is, is kind of a cool idea for it. Mm-hmm. Granted, then I also have pictures of all these things running amok and trying to destroy my life. Um, but I, would, I wouldn't mind an internet-connected toaster or an internet-connected, uh, I don't drink coffee, but a, a tea maker. If there's some way I could have it make tea for me over the internet, that would be the most amazing thing ever invented. Dan, the internet can't bring it to you, though. You still have to go get the tea. <laughs> Not yet, but with my Roomba controlled by, <laughs> or my Parrot AR drone that brings me a cup of tea, and then I just get scalding hot tea poured on me. All over that. your house, yeah. yeah. Well, there is, a, there is a Belkin Wemo crockpot in the works, and although I, I laughed at the idea, once I actually got a briefing on it, kind of genius. What it could do, crockpot cool would be the right idea. thing to do there. Yeah, yeah. That's you see. I feel like yeah. I do think that there's. It is interesting. Even when you're mentioning sort of the uh, the timer thing on your uh, on your power outlets, I was thinking, oh, that's pretty cool because I have I have one of those old analog timers with like the dial yeah like because my parents had one of these growing up like because our our living room light was on a timer um and so i bought one for my apartment because sometimes i go away for a week and travel on and and, you know turns the light on in the afternoon and turns it off at late at night and stuff like that and i'm like wow how silly is it that i'm a technology guy and i have this little thing where you have to like push these little plastic pins and like wind this clock dial and it's like oh yeah an electronic solution wow that seems like a a lot smarter idea so bring on the internet of things i say melissa what do you think after coming home from my trip i'm a big fan of a refrigerator that watches how much food you have because it seemed that while i was gone everyone else in the house forgot how to go to the grocery store and I come back and they're practically living on cracker crumbs. So the first thing I do, you know, off the plane <clears throat> and still nine hours jet lagged is to go to the grocery store to feed people. So I like the idea of the refrigerator saying, hey, you're almost out of milk. Uh, or, you know, that you opened that two weeks ago, you probably shouldn't eat that anymore. Like that's useful as long as it doesn't come with an ad for try this <laughs> macaroni and cheese. But that's the thing is that it's going to come with that, too, because ideally the refrigerator isn't just going to say, hey, you're out of this, but it's going to go ping Safeway, say Melissa's out of this or Melissa's out of town and no one knows how to go to the grocery store. Tell them what to do. And then suddenly we'll be getting all this stuff back. And also I heard that someone in this virtual room had a little issue with their furnace and a nest thermostat. <laughs> yeah, that was me. Uh, although it's unclear whether the nest was to blame or whether it was uh, me changing the filter in my heater or whether it was just that I was running the heater a little more because it was a cold snap. But I had that issue where the nest uh, wouldn't come on. It was rebooting and it drained its battery and it was very weird. And that is the downside of this. But 
in general, and the Nest is back up and it's working fine, and I changed the filter, and I think it's fine. Um, but there were some people who were affected by that. I like having the Nest. I think I think there's two two aspects to this. One is things that need to be connected, and then there's things that need to be smarter. And I'm not sure they're always the same, right? Like, I was thinking, my dishwasher doesn't need to be on the internet, but... What if your dishwasher has interesting <laughs> things to say on Twitter? Well, that's true. <laughs> they would be more interesting than some of the people on Twitter. So... Uh, what my point is, my, my dishwasher could be smarter. Like my, I, I have a new washer and dryer that we bought over the last few years, and they're so much smarter than the old ones. They've got, you know, it's, the dryer's got a moisture sensor. The washer is a front load. That it's much more water efficient. They're, they're, you know, they're much more intelligent. And the new uh, refrigerator we got a few years ago, much more intelligent. But this dishwasher, like, I would like it to like know how much stuff is in there like weigh you know the racks and if i leave a fairly full dishwasher in or load in overnight that it runs for example that might be a thing that might be nice that it was like you really should run this now uh it doesn't need to be connected to the internet it just needs to be smarter i think the things you've mentioned lighting makes sense we have a a light that we use we have the little thing with the plastic pins too dan and we also have a a ceiling fan that has a light on it that you can push the buttons in the right sequence and it'll go on randomly and that's supposed to be for when you're away except that means like the light and the comes on at three in the morning sometimes and it's stupid it shouldn't do it that smart no so I, i like the idea of being able to take a light or a few lights in your house and say okay put them on a pattern not because i'm here but because i'm not here and make it look like the house is alive and then refrigerators you know i've got an app that lets me scan stuff in um when i know that i need something at the store but yeah i suppose it would be cool if whether it's using rfid or whether i just am scanning things as i'm um as i'm noting that i'm i'm using them up that that those would get logged somewhere where i could use it so i i can see some value in it but the ones that are big are I already have, uh, which is like the thermostat, and I have a uh, I have a drop cam that I use when we're gone to see what's going on in the house, see if the cat is doing anything crazy, see if there are robbers or whatever. And uh, my TiVo is also on there, and so I can schedule TV shows to record while I'm gone, and that's good too. So I'm feeling okay about it, but I, I do wish our devices were not just more connected, but but more intelligent. So Dan Frakes, are you satisfied with those answers? Yes, um, you know I. Dan Warren's topic kind of covered my wish, which is that my car stereo be connected and updated regularly so that once I buy a car, I'm not stuck with that probably horrible navigation entertainment system forever. Yeah. So, so that that is my pipe dream for Internet of Things. Well, I think we're almost out of time. Dan, do you have a bonus topic before we go? I do. Uh, this past weekend were the Oscars, and you know there were some of the good films of 2013 were recognized. I want to know what movie, if any, you are looking forward to in 2014. Melissa, any movies you're looking forward to? You know what I love right after the Oscars is seeing the movies that come out in the next few weeks afterward, because these are movies that everyone's going to forget about before the next Oscars. And they're really being held because they're like, well... You know, they're not really good enough to be considered. And so we're just going to like do it right afterward when there's nothing else on. And um, some of these movies can be kind of bad or just maybe just not not really quite good enough. Like they sound indie and interesting, but they're just not going to make the cut. So I kind of like to see the rejects. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, hey, so you got to dump them somewhere, right? Exactly. This is the dumping ground right now. Jason, what about you? Uh, 
I want to be excited about Amazing Spider-Man 2, but that's a terrible title. And you love uh, Spider-Man, they, and they have I do love Spider-Man, and they've got more like multiple villains, and it's everything that it's is Spider-Man wrong with Three all over again. I know, except sooner. And uh, Days of Future Past, the X-Men movie that's got the old and new cast together, uh, is kind of cool. I think the movie that is most intriguing to me is Interstellar, which is the new Christopher no. Nolan movie. No. And I'm not going to say anything more about it because I su- suspect someone else will pick it. So I already picked uh, <laughs> uh, Basic Spider-Man and Days of Future Past. Dan? Uh, so Interstellar is the one I'm going to I'm gonna say. And the funny thing is, is that I really have no idea what it's about. Nobody uh, does. Nobody does, right? So it's Christopher Nolan with like a phenomenal cast of, of people. Uh, and it has something to do with space travel and a wormhole yeah. and saving the Earth. You know all the sort of sci-fi things. Got a little want. contact vibe to it, which right, I kind of right. like. But they've they've got a trailer which is basically Matthew McConaughey um, doing a voiceover about all these things that man has accomplished and how we need to keep dreaming and a cornfield with a rocket ship flying out of it, and that's <laughs> it. It's basically like when the last time he did this, it was Inception, right? And it was like <laughs> that was. I mean, it came out of nowhere. He's he's right. clever like that. So Christopher Nolan, a phenomenal cast, a cryptic trailer. I'm. Anxious to see it. Well, the movie at the top of my list is not that highbrow. It is Guardians of the Galaxy uh, with Chris Pratt um, and a, a bunch of other people, including voices by Vin Diesel and Bradley Cooper. And the trailer is awesome. It looks ridiculous. I think Chris Pratt is having a good year because he did also did the lead in the Lego movie, which was really, mm-hmm. really good. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. It looks like a good sort of campy, tongue-in-cheek uh, take in the, uh, in the Marvel Universe. So I even showed the trailer to my mom, and she thought it was funny. And, like, that's a pretty good test. Mom test. (laughs) Sure. And since we've been carefully watching the clock, that is literally all the time we have. We have to go. Dan Frakes, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And Melissa Riafrio, thank you for being here. It was a pleasure. So until next time, from all of us here at Clockwise, we remind you to watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.